if you have the best product and strong marketing, you will win. And I really agree with that. Welcome to the Corner Booth, where conversation is on the house and everybody has a story to tell. It takes guts to walk away from a sure thing and go in search of your dreams. It isn't easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it and we'd all be our own boss. Cooper Jitz is a guy with guts. In his early 20s, he waved goodbye to a lucrative career in publishing to start Talk Agency, a digital agency that builds websites and apps and markets them online using SEO, SEM, marketing automation, social media, and analytics. For the past six years, Talk has partnered with businesses across the United States and Cooper's native Australia to deliver complete digital solutions for any project on any budget. The digital space can be a confusing territory to navigate, but if your business is going to gain ground in today's marketplace, it's an essential ingredient. And nobody's delivering proven results in the digital world more caringly or consistently worldwide today than Cooper Jits and Talk Agency. And I've got him here with me in the corner booth. So grab a seat, get in on the conversation as I chat with Cooper Jits, the founder of Talk Agency. What is digital? Because I think so many people, it's in front of them all day, every day, online, on social media, but they don't exactly understand what it is. What is digital? That's a really complex question. Pretty much the way I would describe digital is a, it's not wedded to any one device or any one system. It's essentially, to be honest with you, by by this point, by 2019, digital really is a an ecosystem of information. So the way people access that information, what they use that information for, who they share their own information with is up to the individual user. But ultimately, in in my mind at least, digital is a mass of information that can be accessed in a lot of different ways. That, that's probably how I would best describe it. So then how does digital marketing differ from traditional platforms that we're used to like radio, television, billboards, etc. Benchmarking digital, anything digital really, but specifically anything to do with digital marketing against traditional media things like radio, uh, press, TV. I think the major, there's so many differences, like I, I could go on all day, but the major difference is the way you approach the public or in the, in the language you use in the digital space, the way we approach the user, someone that's using a, a digital platform online like Facebook or Google. Traditionally, traditional marketing strategies and traditional marketing messages were really about, or yeah, messages were really about pushing a brand message and pushing a marketing message. message. It was really direct response advertising, the Don Draper era, if anyone's into Mad Men. And then it was also a lot about price-driven advertising, so price-sensitive advertising or offer-driven advertising. And while that's still true, you can use, we see a lot of winning strategies developed using price um, a product in the digital space. The brands that are really absolutely killing it online are putting the user first. And essentially, the way I describe it is brands are now acting as publishers almost. They are putting the user first and they are generating huge volumes of content that give huge amounts of value to the user. 
before they even ask for anything at all. Uh, and they'll do that long term. They'll be, they'll use content marketing to build relationships with users over days, weeks, months, even years before pushing them into some sort of a sales funnel where they'll start talking product or price or any of those traditional marketing messages. So the sales cycle or the yeah the sales cycle that a, a, a brand will walk a user through online is actually a lot longer uh, than in traditional marketing strategies, but it's easier to reach a higher volume of people at a much more cost-effective price point. So it's still very costly because it's very, very labor-intensive. Digital is really labor-intensive and there is so many different platforms and so many different strategies and so many different ways you can spend ad dollars, but the, uh, the volume of people you can reach that are relevant to your brand is just so much higher than any one TV station or newspaper or radio station could possibly reach. It's just not possible to really compare the two. You're not comparing apples with apples. You know, I want to get into talk agency, where it comes from, what it does, and, and all of that. But first, I'm curious, what's your background? How, how, how did we get here? Uh, so I was involved in... I grew up in a family that would go right back to the start, just to rewind for a minute. I grew up in a, or I have grown up in a really business-centric family. So my grandfather is involved in a, a public unlisted company that runs like a fuel desulfurization process, so like the engineering space, and uh, has been involved in like um, FMCG and retail pre, prior to that. And my father um, is an engineer by trade, so he's been in a number of different engineering firms and heavily involved in just the business community in general. So I've had a probably quite a business-minded upbringing and not not the whole, you know, um, do business from the day you're born or else. Um, it was always by my choice, but I was just around it and I picked it up and really enjoyed it. I'd have friends who would be playing soccer and I'd be trying to sell a vintage-looking 50-cent piece to my sister for $2. Like, that's that was my mentality from very early on. Then post, uh, obviously post the high school era, I moved to university and uh, I studied marketing and business at university and then got into the publishing space. And that was my first exposure to anything to do with media, really. In a, on a commercial scale or in a commercial sense and was involved in, in you start as a writer, like I'm passionate about content and then moved into um, sort of more of a commercial role that worked with advertisers and things like that and started to see obviously copy sales started to flatline and then started to decline as, as they have done with every publishing company around the world and I was fortunate enough to get a little bit of really early stage exposure to that business quite successfully morphing into uh, an, essentially an online retailer and just saw some some best practice strategies that weren't really being deployed for a lot of uh, companies in the marketplace. And I just thought, wow, there's there's so much opportunity here for so many businesses right around the world. And I just have always wanted to, to work for myself. I'm really passionate about building uh, teams and providing opportunities for staff. And uh, that really is what led me to starting Talk, which was about five and a half, six years ago. My first client, before I had a team, I essentially started as a freelancer. My first client was a, a private hospital. I'm still in contact with uh, with that, that client to this day. They're a really, really fantastic operator and uh, the, the general manager who since moved on to another role also taught me a lot about business in, in the early days of talk, first year or two. And yeah, it's enabled me to or well, that client specifically enabled me to get the next client, 
enabled me to get the next client and then start to build a team and and really start to diversify the business into something that was no longer me freelancing it was it was more of a team environment where we could could um, lean on each other for new ideas and new ways of working and it's essentially grown from there. You know, it's a gutsy proposition to walk away from a comfortable job in the publishing space or any space and start your own thing. So there's a funny story, if you don't mind telling it, about an American Express card. When I first started the business, I I was newly married and it was actually my wife who really encouraged me to just take a leap and, and make it happen. And so... I did, and obviously, as any startup or any new business, you 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 need some kind of funding, to some baseline of cash in some way, shape, or form to be able to, you know, pay pay receivables and expenses and all that sort of thing. And the basically the story goes that I went to all of the banks, major banks in Australia, and um, essentially couldn't really get credit. Um, business credit because I wasn't bankable. I'm early 20s, newly married, um, no assets to my name other than a $7,000 car. And so the only place that would give me any sort of credit was American Express. So when I started the business, I had a an American Express car that I think had about a five or $6,000 line of credit on it, something fairly modest. And it was pretty much the Amex, an iPhone, and a MacBook that really were the tools of trade from the start. And it was good learnings because it taught me a lot about managing cash flow and ensuring that you kept a close eye on your P&L, your balance sheet, and making sure your receivables were coming in and your accounts payable were always modest and sort of in control. And we've been essentially we've essentially scaled out into a much more robust P&L since then, obviously. But certainly to this day, we do keep that same mantra around keep overheads low, invest heavily in the business, but invest where a lot of value is derived. So invest in your people and uh, just ensure that cash flow is always positive and always strong. I think it was those early days with the Amex card that really helped us to yeah, help set us up for a, a strong foundation or help give us help to give us a strong foundation and ensure that we're not um, yeah, not overstretched or not overextended at any point. Not to fast forward too rapidly, but going from a handful of devices and an American Express card five, six years ago, where's Talk Agency at today? Uh, so Talk's doing pretty well. We have a headcount now of, uh, we've just done a couple of hires, around 26 people, and we run a, a geographically spread workforce. So we have obviously an operation in, Australia, so our office is in Tugra, just north of Sydney. We've then got a bit of a hub of team members in uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil, uh, and then we've got uh, some other team members sort of scattered all around the world. So Chicago, we've got where you are, obviously. We've got some activity there and, and looking to build some business in the U.S., uh, um, Ahmedabad, Greece, Portugal, the Philippines. It's, it's fairly geographically spread, and that's pretty much conducive to finding the best possible talent is is the core reason for that uh we have a really big talent problem or talent drain in australia particularly in regional areas that aren't sydney cbd or melbourne cbd Uh, we're a good hour and a half out of sydney cbd and very few people want to commute that sort of distance so we really need to go wherever we can find quality people that are the right culture fit for talk and 
that's pretty much what's led us to having that hub and spoke sort of geographically spread model. It, it does work quite well. It just means that we can give more opportunities to more people faster and we can scale our business faster when we have access to talent in different markets like that. Uh, we have some really great clients and, and, and work on some fairly large scale projects and it, it means we need to be able to basically scale our business fairly quickly. We're, we're growing, well, we have grown, sorry, about 150% a year since we started and that we're, we're looking to continue that trend for probably the next sort of three years at which point obviously growth is growth at that scale is not necessarily forever so we, the growth curve will continue but it will, it will perhaps taper off a little bit in about three years but we see ourselves having another three years of pretty strong growth at that sort of rate before we need to sort of steady the growth a little bit and just focus on process. You know, for those that are uninitiated, just speak a bit to what it is that Talk does exactly. What kind of services is Talk providing their clients on a day-to-day -day basis? So we've got uh, two core streams of business. One is what we call digital product. So typically a business can run a paper process. So they might have a, a workflow that they run with um, tradesmen out in the field or a quoting process or something like that. And it'll run through multiple different people and departments and will be quite um, lumpy and cumbersome. And typically speaking, those processes have been bedded in over many, many, many years and they work well, but they can be quite costly to run. What we often do is look at, okay, let's design a digital version of that process. Let's use AI, um, machine learning. Let's build automation into this piece and build something that basically is like a web app or a website or an app or something of that nature that um, uh, links into like any CRM systems or a accounting systems that the client has and the end result is basically if a client is spending you know, a quarter of a million dollars a year in admin costs running a process, we can quite often build a solution that's going to cut those costs by 70 or 80 percent. At the same time, provide the team members that the client has working in that process the opportunity to really upskill and move higher up the value chain <coughs> inside that organisation. <coughs> so a lot of people talk about automation is taking our jobs. We don't really see it as that. We see it as automate, automation is really automating jobs that can be automated, re repetitive manual processes. So people have the opportunity to work on higher value tasks inside a business, and that's a really good example of that. So the digital product space really is... You know, digital workflows, apps, websites, systems design, CRM, ERP, anything that requires a process or a website or an app to be built around it. That's one sort of half our business. And then the other half is uh, digi essentially digital marketing. So we offer a very broad sort of range of services in-house in that space, um, SEO, SEM, social, automation, tracking, analytics. There's a, there's a pretty broad gamut of services, content creation and production. The approach really is to take a fairly cohesive, all-encompassing approach to digital marketing these days. It's very rare that you can get a groundbreaking result with one single Facebook campaign or one single piece of content or one single SEO strategy. We take a fairly holistic view to the digital marketing space and typically we partner with a client around their KPIs. So a business might have a KPI they want to set every quarter or every six months and we basically build a strategy that considers every digital channel and drives towards that goal. We either build the strategy and then train the client on executing the strategy themselves in-house 
or we can build the strategy and then execute, use our, our digital marketing team to execute on the strategy for the client or on behalf of the client. And that's, uh, that's, that's driving a lot of results for us as well. So it's sort of a yin and yang situation. You know, you can't have one part of the business without the other. Typically, a client will need a website built or an app built or they'll have a workflow problem and we'll help them with that. And then they'll say, oh, look, how do we, how do we scale? Okay, we've, we've improved our operations, but how do we scale our business to to match to this new operational process we have. And that's where you look sort of at the digital marketing space and look at how big their market opportunity is in that space. And so they really do sort of feed into one another. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a good, certainly a good business model. I think there's a lot of digital agencies out there that sort of know the nooks and crannies. They know how to do X, Y, and Z. But talk takes a much more bespoke approach to each client's needs. You guys really are cultivating strategies for the individual client instead of just applying common logic in a general approach? Uh, Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You can't really take a cookie-cutter approach anymore. There there are a lot of... Cookie-cutter. Yeah, you're right. I was struggling for the... You're right. You you nailed it. Cookie-cutter. Sorry. Yeah, there are a lot of agencies or a lot of businesses that do take a cookie-cutter approach, and it will get a result but it will never get the best result because it's not, like you said, it's not bespoke or it's not tailored to the specific needs of the client. Uh, And I'm I'm very aware that that sounds like a fluff line or a a sales pitch, but it really is how digital works. A lot of businesses think that digital is cheap and fast and essentially almost free. The reality is it's to do it well, it's actually really labour intensive. So uh, an investment is required from a business, whether that be with talk or with one of our competitors or uh, on an internal team or some sort of a hybrid scenario, regardless of where a business spends money, when it comes to any kind of digital, a decent investment probably needs to be made. And that can be, you know, we always talk about there being validity for spending a dollar a month or a million dollars a month or, or any point in between. And you can match your spend to the outcomes you're looking to get. But ultimately, we operate very thin profit margins as a business. We're not, we're not a hyper-profitable business. Um, yes, we're a labour-based business, but we're not sort of your Boston Consulting 20 30 40% profit margin. It's, it's a different model. So um, and we, we talk pretty openly about that with clients because they, they then can see, okay, well, you're charging this fee, but inside that fee there's all of these hours going into this piece of work and this piece of work and this piece of strategy. And it's taking that bespoke approach to what are the KPIs the client's looking to achieve? What's the market they're working in? What's the, what are the limitations their business has? Because most businesses have some form of limitation. It just is what it is. No business has a perfect digital ecosystem. And then building essentially a project plan, an executing project plan and a strategy to inform that project plan that is going to get the outcomes that the client's looking for. And, you know, we have different industries we work in and we have similar clients in, in, in not, not um, direct competitors, but certainly complementary industries where, you know, you would think that they would have similar strategies. But when you really look under the hood of the nuts and bolts day-to-day execution mode, they actually can be quite different. And that's really testament to how digital is. Users are all unique online. We're talking about people. People buy from people. So when you're talking about building strategies in the digital space, yes, it's digital, but all digital is is a conduit between a business 
and a user, and a user is a human being. So it's important to keep that in mind when you're building strategy is that there's no two, no two requirements are ever the same. Do you find that to be one of the common misconceptions about digital these days? Because we everything moves at the speed of thought, people expect digital results to be instantaneous. But as you stated, and as I also believe, it's a process. It takes time. There needs to be a strategy in place, and you need to let things play out. Yes, that is something I would agree with. There are many businesses out there that will turn to digital to fix fundamental business problems. And to a degree, that is something you can do. So you can use digital to fix an operational problem. But, you know, if your P&L is plummeting downwards month on month, quarter on quarter, and your product is the most expensive in the market and doesn't have a clear, clear value proposition, you can't expect to run a $600 Facebook campaign and turn the whole thing around. It's just not going to happen. You really need to, as I saying, you know, if you have the best product and strong marketing, you will win. And I really agree with that. Um, not everyone can have the best product, but businesses really need to think about what their competitive position is, what is their, what is their product mix, what is their product matrix, and who are their target customers, match the product to the customer, and then use digital to support that. Um, digital marketing and even digital product work, you know, building out workflows and things like that, it can dramatically transform and evolve a business, but it can't act as the 100% fundamental bedrock to a business. You need another layer under it. You need a business plan and a, basically a, a product set that can be utilized by the marketing strategy, the digital strategy and the, the, the digital product strategy. You, you can't really rely on um, any one lever in the digital ecosystem to completely revolutionize, revolutionize your business. And it, it's interesting, a lot of businesses will, will get into a real cash flow problem or a real sales problem and they'll basically just call us up and say, hey, we need huge revenue in 90 days, make it happen. <laughs> And that's a fairly unrealistic brief, A, and B, they'll often want to do it with, uh, you know, little to no budget, which makes it difficult as well. So, yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's, it's a case of um, wanting to make sure you've got your business right first, then investing in digital. Then if you do those things in those, that order, you will win. It's as simple as that. If you have a strong business with a good product or service and you then invest an uh, or a portion, an appropriate amount of your marketing budget into the digital marketing and operations budget into your digital strategy and digital execution, you will win. Your business will absolutely grow. I, I'd bet my life on it. But in setting a quality product roadmap and business plan and then setting an appropriate budget for executing from a digital perspective, very few businesses get that right. And it's, it's a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation that we have with clients because... If they do, they'll see huge success, but um, it's a case of we need to almost prove that success out as quickly as we can to really justify that, that investment. And I think that's why it's important to educate people about digital because, like you were saying, for some, it's almost like they're just looking for that thing that will plug the hole in the dam. But what digital is, is building the better dam so you don't have that problem to begin with. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. It is. It's 
that's a really good, um, really eloquent way to put it. Actually, a digital will really supercharge a business, but you you've got to resource it appropriately. However, you resource it, and you've got to have some kind of legitimate business model, you know, product or or business plan business strategy to to support it. And you've got to commit to it, right? It isn't one campaign here or there. It's, as you said, a strategy. Like, you have to commit to this. Absolutely, yeah. So, typically speaking, you'll see a client will will start working with us on, on project or, or retained basis. And over the course of 12 months, we, we build through different stages of KPIs. So, uh, like a baseline KPI, what we call a ratchet KPI, and, and then a diversification KPI. So basically, as you start to roll from the first 12 months into the second 12 months, you've essentially got, you, you've found out where you're, or you've seen where your ceiling is, where you've achieved maximum growth in a specific part of your business. And then you start to diversify into other parts of your business to continue that growth story across your across your business, where it be, whether it be different product sets, different geographical markets, launching new businesses, what have or product ranges or what have you. Over time we actually will will be able to find in partnership with you, we'll find a ceiling where it's like, okay, you can keep going, but it's going to start to cost you more dollars per customer acquisition than it is now because you've reached saturation point for your sort of your addressable market. So it's that sort of law of diminishing return. But to build to that is so much labor and so many executional pieces of the puzzle that happen across content and social and automation and SEO, SEM, and so on and so forth, CRO, that that you really have to invest in to see that full fruition. And you really do want to give it a good a good six months at least to see strong month-on-month growth every single month and then an additional six months to see uh, stronger growth that starts to get to the ceiling in that initial market. And then in the second pot of 12 months, you start to look at, that's when you start to look at diversifying into other areas to grow your business. But if someone is wanting to run something for less than six months, I mean, we can and we do, we do a lot of project work and, and, and sort of ad hoc bookings and thing like, things like that, but it's not, it's not something that is ever, and we tell clients this openly, it's not something that's going to get them the best possible result. It's going to get, the, again, it's going to get them a result, but it, it won't get them the best possible result because we're not going to have learnings from the month after to optimize in the current month or planning ahead for the following month to get further growth on the month we're in now. Like it, it, it's really that month on month approach that you need to take. Is that one of the business's biggest hurdles? I'm like, in this landscape of life hacks and shortcuts and everything's free on the internet, you've mentioned it already about how labor-intensive digital is. Is that one of the hard-selling points that, man, there's a lot, this isn't just we're going to find a shortcut on the internet and, and, and squeeze you out there. There's a lot of work that goes into doing even some of these seemingly simple things. Yeah, it is a challenge we've got, and there are a few different ways we work to address it. I mean, we openly offer services around uh, sort of like a 60- or 90-day project where we'll actually work with a client to define every key element of their business and then author them a custom digital strategy that will step them through exactly what they need to do, how they need to do it, when they need to do it, how much of it they need to do, what skill sets they need, where those skill sets need to be, what type of skill sets they are, the velocity of those skill sets, the tools to use, 
and basically lay the entire roadmap out for them. And then they can go ahead and resource that how they wish. We would love to be involved in in providing the executional uh, work for every strategy, but we know that some clients want to be uh, building internal teams to do that. Other clients don't have the budget. They want to only uh, work on components of that strategy. That's something we've started doing over the last 12 months is really saying, okay, you don't want to or you're not in a position to execute at full scale with us over 12 or 18 months or two years, but definitely this is the strategy for you and this is how we'll write it and put it together. And then you'll have you'll be equipped with all of the information you need to then go and execute it how you wish. Pretty much the only levers that anyone, talk or any of our clients or any of our competitors or any of our suppliers, the only levers that anyone in the digital world has to pull to get better results and more growth are talent. So how skilled are the people working on your business? Volume of skill. So how many hours are those talented individuals spending on these strategies and this executional work? And then the quality of your business, so i.e. what is your product and what is your marketing message and how strongly does it stand against your competitors? And ad spend, how many dollars are you able to spend on any one digital platform, AdWords, Facebook ads, etc., or combination thereof? They're really the only four levers you can pull. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say you need this special, unique strategy, but you can write a special, unique strategy if you have quality talent and they have the right amount of hours to write it. So it really just comes down to quality of talent, hours that they can spend on the business, quality of product and message, and amount of money to invest in ads. That's really the only four levers that anyone has to pull in the digital world including the biggest of the world, Facebook, Google themselves, you know, they, yeah, they have IP and have patents and all the rest of it, but they were developed by people. People buy from people and even the most automated businesses of the world are built and managed by thousands and thousands of developers. That's what we talk to clients a lot about is, you know, look, these are the levers you've got to pull. Pull them as you wish. We would love to be involved in everything, but we're aware that that's not suitable for every business. So, how can we best serve you is, is pretty much the, the approach we take. Okay, here's the hardest question I'm going to ask, but I think it's also the most relevant. With all of these sort of DIY solutions and websites and, and, and different platforms out there, why is it still important for a business that's serious about succeeding to click up with an agency like Talk? What are you going to provide that these sort of fly-by-night, do-it-yourself things cannot so most platforms, yeah, absolutely have a DIY element to them. If you've used a computer, you can log into AdWords and run an AdWords campaign. You can log into Facebook and run a Facebook ads campaign. It's the, the biggest, or the sorry, probably the two biggest offerings we bring to the table or, or any good agency provider would bring to the table, digital business provider, would, are really around um, the quality of talent and the volume of talent. So one of the key reasons why we have a geographically spread workforce is it's very, very hard to find talent that's on the bleeding edge of technology and really, really knows what they're doing. Typically, we find that talent external of traditional marketing silos. So if you go and recruit as a business for, say, a a digital marketing manager or a digital marketing coordinator, you'll definitely find good talent. 
they'll be a, a generalist or they'll have a broad skill set. They'll be really good at working on strategy and, say, managing agencies or providers such as us, but they won't be the best in any one key area of digital. Uh, a holistic approach to digital requires around eight different skill sets, and those skill sets are very, very unique to one another. You know, hardcore coding, um, SEO analysis, content, creative, strategy and planning, tracking analytics and automation, SEM, Facebook ads. There's a pretty broad cross-section of skills required. What we offer is a scenario where we have all of those different specialties in-house and uh, a client can basically harvest the labour volume from each of those skill sets into one cohesive project plan or one cohesive strategy. We can get very, very strong talent through that spread workforce. So, Typically, recruiting marketing, digital marketers or SEM analysts or SEO analysts or, or any digital role out of university or, or out of a corporate environment is, is very challenging. There's a lot of headwind in that space because they don't really teach it, teach it through, through passion in those channels. They teach it through sort of career growth and development. Most of the team members we have at Talk started their own blogs and then monetized those blogs. They had affiliate marketing happening back when it was popular they work on or they have worked on e-commerce projects for themselves to create, you know, automated recurring revenue. All of those key areas that are something that's not necessarily taught in, say, um, business school or marketing school, but are the, the areas where you've got very, very advanced knowledge that very few people have in these platforms. So the, the value proposition for talk when, when talking to a business is, cool, you've got a marketing function in-house let that marketing function tap into our best practice, truly best practice, sort of cutting edge digital teams who can then execute for you or vice versa, let our cutting edge digital teams basically write and author a strategy for you to upskill your internal in-house team. Uh, so it, it can go either way, but basically you'll always get a result when you deploy these campaigns yourself or when you deploy these campaigns with a generalist digital marketing executive or a freelancer or something like that, you always get a result. That, that's the beauty of digital. But, you, again, you won't get the best result because you don't have a really strong SEM analyst A-B testing different ad variations inside AdWords, you know, two hours a day. You don't have a developer building um, automated algos that can pull data across different uh, different websites and different CRM systems. You don't have a content specialist who knows how to, you know, sort of format content against search volumes to get content sort of engaging and, and going viral in a really efficient way. Those are, those are skills that are quite specialised and I think that's really where we offer quite a lot of value. You walked away from a pretty lucrative career to start your own business. Where did you get the guts to do that? Uh, a lot of that came from family. So I've got a really, I'm very thankful in that I've got a really supportive family, wife and great kids as well, and, and also sort of parents and grandparents who just encouraged me to give it a go. I was at a time in my life where it was appropriate to do so and consequently, you know, sort of went for it. And really, really passionate pretty quickly once the business sort of started to gather a little bit of momentum and steam I just was so fortunate to, to get involved with some really fantastic team members uh, that are still with us to this day from all around the world that are just as passionate about talk as I am. And I feel like while they may not have been 
why I started the business back when it was very much an I situation. It was just me. Now, or very, very quickly, sort of in the first 12 months of setting the business up, it became apparent to me that the the real reason for this business existing is to create a work environment that where people love coming to work and where our team is inputting into something bigger than themselves, client engagements, client projects, software that we work on building, whatever we're doing, it's just so incredible to see the team really coming together every day to create something from nothing essentially, which is really what we do every day. And uh, why, while it may not have been the initial inspiration for starting the business on from an ongoing point of view, it's definitely the ongoing and the daily inspiration and continued aspiration for all of us as well is to just do, do more of it really. Where did the name talk come from? Uh, that's a good question. I was sitting on the couch at home with my wife as we decided to start the business. And her first question was, what are we going to call it? And I think we just brainstormed it on the spot, really. And then she pulled out a MacBook and whipped up what was the first version of the Talk logo. And we pretty much went for it from there. I think the original concept was really around, we're originally, while we're sort of a tech and marketing agency now or tech and marketing provider, we originally very much started as um, a marketing agency. So it was, I think the concept was really around getting people talking for your business is really what, it's as cheesy as it sounds, that was the original concept, but uh, it sort of just stuck. And um, while we're called talk agency, I think, Pretty generally, we're referred to just to talk. Everyone sort of, you know, um, we go by that name day to day. And, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of how it's evolved. No, I think it's perfect. You know, Cooper, a lot of people that listen to the program are individuals that have ideas or a vision or something that they want to do. They want to take the steps that you've taken. What kind of advice, what words can you pass on to somebody who's listening right now that has an idea that wants to get something going, following your footsteps. What's the best advice you can give to them? Oh, look, for anyone who is looking to start a business, I would suggest spend a little bit of time, not a lot of time, spend a little bit of time doing a little bit of market research to make sure you've got something that you can create a meaningful business for. So, there needs to be uh, a low barrier to entry or there needs to be a competition level that's not too high. But as soon as you know there's a way to create some sort of a competitive advantage, don't worry about that side of things anymore. Business plans in the early days are overrated. It's really about how much work you put in. I worked astonishingly hard for the first particularly the first couple of years establishing talk and to this day you know very much a startup culture startup mentality everyone in the business puts in 110 percent every single day and there's really if you're looking to deploy yourself into a startup of any kind whether it be actually start a business or join a really early stage startup there's absolutely zero room for complacency and laziness and i know that's a really prickly way to talk about it but at the end of the day if you've got a product that is somewhat unique not necessarily completely completely unique or a service that is better than at least a significant portion of your competitors all you need to do is put the work in and you'll build a business but 
don't underestimate how much work it takes. It is sort of 16, 18, 20 hours a day, at least for the first couple of years, to really get get it off the ground. And uh, if you've got that drive and desire, definitely go for it. It's just one of the most rewarding things ever. Need to light a rocket under your business with cutting-edge digital marketing, SEO, and web? Then head directly to talkagency.com.au. Don't pass go, don't collect $200, just fire up that Google machine and type in talkagency.com.au. Because you're not going to find better service and more measurable results anywhere else. Period. It's cool to be your own boss. But any business owner knows you need the right partners, planners, and professionals in your corner if you plan to go the distance and win. Talk Agency is all about winning. They put runs on the board, deliver serious return on investment, and probably most importantly, allow you to proceed with confidence knowing that you're paired up with dedicated, educated professionals that sincerely have your business's best interests in mind. And if you're someone who's been on the fence for a while now about whether or not to take that leap of faith and invest in yourself, Cooper's story just goes to show that the reward is usually worth the risk. He bet on himself, rolled the dice, put in the work, and beat the house. The world needs more Cooper Jitses. So come on, go be the next one. Or if you're already a self-starter with a business of your own, Travel down under to talkagency.com.au and learn more about the value Cooper and his team will add to your company. I want to thank my guest today, Mr. Cooper Jitz, founder of Talk Agency. I want to thank you for hanging out with us too. And we'll see you next time, right here in the corner booth. Last call, everybody. I don't remember what I did.